Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Don't do it. I'm telling you, just don't do it. You're going to be tempted to do it, but it's a mistake. Take if you do. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. It's not the end of the world. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. Don't, don't, don't look at the Steelers' 36 to 28 loss to the Vikings here in Minneapolis and just examine the last play. It would be unfair in all likelihood. It won't take enough into account the outstanding play that Harrison Smith, Minnesota's terrific strong safety, made on the football after it was in Pat Fryermuth's hands, and yes, it was in his hands, and yes, it was a perfect throw by Ben Roethlisberger, and yes, we all should have been writing poetry about the greatest comeback of Ben's career and the rookie coming through with the big catch, and just, just don't, just don't. That is not where the game was decided. And I don't just say that because, you know, they would have had to put together a two-point conversion after that as well. Oh, and, you know, win in overtime. That game was lost last summer. When you're watching a football team get What was the word Mike Tomlin used? Oh, yeah, manhandled on both sides of the line of scrimmage. That is a management issue. When you're watching the defensive line, you can at least blame attrition. You know, there's been so many injuries and illnesses and absences and everything else. On that side, Stefan Tuitt, Tyson Alualu, Joe Hayden. In this game, T.J. Watt, Alex Highsmith. Uh, the list goes on. Robert Spillane, who's a pretty good run stopper. It's, it's mostly because of that, 
on the defensive side. The offensive side, there's nowhere to run, man. There's nowhere to run from what really went wrong this season for this football team. No single game underscored that all year the way this one did right here at U.S. Bank Stadium. This one right here showed you everything that Ben was capable of doing if he was operating under reasonable circumstances. It showed you a lot of what this overall football team could do, except for this one spectacular, supersized shortcoming. So it's not a surprise in the slightest that when Mike Tomlin came into the press area afterward, this was what he offered. You know, just to be blunt, man, we're getting handled up front on both sides of the ball, and that makes it difficult. It makes it difficult to, to do what we desire to do. It makes it difficult to, to maintain balance. Um, it makes it difficult to dictate to our opponents um, you know, what happens or what happens next. And so, you know, um, it's going to be tough sledding for us until we, um, until we get better in that area. Um, we're not good in that area. We were JV again tonight. And I'm talking about up front on both sides. Uh, we lost the battle in the line of scrimmages, and that's football. Um, we make no excuse. Um, it is what it is. Um, we got to be better than we were. Um, we'll turn over every stone to do that. Um, we got a long week coming up between this and our next one. We'll make good use of that time and assess not only what we're doing, but who we're doing, with, who, doing it with. Yeah, great. That's, this, is a, this is a great, great time for the head coach of the football team who is intensely involved in every aspect of putting together personnel. This is a great time for it to dawn on him that the offensive line was going to be an issue. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. As you might be able to tell from my tone here, I'm running out of stuff to say about this football team, about the way it was constructed, and about the way it performs. But the latter two are inexorably connected. They are one and the same. There is no way that anyone associated with the Steelers, least of all the head coach and the general manager, Kevin Colbert, should get away with assigning any of this to performance. Because when you enter an NFL season knowingly set up a certain way on your roster, and you enter that same NFL season knowingly set up a certain way on your coaching staff, you lose the mulligan. You lose the right to deflect. That, that 
is on you. It's not on Kendrick Green that he stinks. And I'm sorry to be, you know, that raw with it, but this player's borderline unwatchable as a center. And maybe we're spoiled. You know, we are spoiled with a decade of Marquise Pouncey. And no one expected Green to come in and be Pouncey or even half of Pouncey. But I don't think anybody expected him to be a disaster either. He doesn't know what he's doing at this position. Three separate occasions in this game, he blocked air. He stood there and blocked nothing. No one just stood there. I have the screen grabs to prove it. Trey Turner wasn't any better. John Leglue, nice story and all, not any better. Dan Moore, arguably worse than any of them. Chooks is kind of quiet over there, and that's a good thing. But maybe Chooks should have earned a higher role at some point in this process. So he's not scot-free here either. It's a bad offensive line, and it would be a bad offensive line if they were all healthy, as we have seen with these parts being interchangeable throughout the season and no one, no one rising up. This isn't hindsight. This is something that I was preaching about last summer. How? Why do you bring Ben back? Why do you do that? And then say, yeah, we're just going to cobble together a bunch of kids here for your offensive line and let's see how it goes. Why? Never mind, like, hurting Ben's feelings or Ben getting mad at Tomlin the way he visibly did coming off the sideline and saying, that's four after the fourth sack. Never mind any of that. This isn't about Ben, it's about the team. Why do you bring Ben back? Sending the very clear message to everybody that you're in it to win it, whether that's realistic or not. That's, that's the message that's being sent. And then do that with your offensive line. What level of arrogance is involved in a decision-making process like that? Do you think you could just pull up magically 8, 10 offensive linemen either out of later rounds in the draft or other people's practice squads and, oh, we'll develop them? Really? Who will do that? Adrian Clem? Based on what resume would he be doing that? Bring him in for Mike Munchak and I'd buy it. But that's, that's arrogance. It's not just stubbornness. It's arrogance. We can fix him. We can make him happen. We can coach him up. No, you can't. No, you can't. And at a lot of different positions in recent years, you haven't been able to do that in large part because of that same attitude. Remember the struggles with the secondary a few years ago? They just kept bringing in random guys. Like, that's just going to fix it. But this year, this year, to do that with the offensive line and then, you knew this was coming, so wait for it, to leave $10.25 million of cap space sitting there, 
still unused. You're telling me there isn't a player anywhere who can block better than these dudes? You're telling me there isn't someone on a practice squad somewhere. You know, the same way Montrevious Adams showed up. The same way. You're telling me there's nobody? No. What you're telling me is that you made a decision. And proving that that decision or those decisions, in plural, were right is more important than winning these football games. That's what you're telling me. And that's what happened last night. Lay off Fryermuth. This is a wonderful young football player. He's had a couple of tough finishes to games this year. But listen to what Ben had to say afterward about his interaction with Fryermuth after the game. No, I mean, I, I, I trusted that he was going to get down the middle. I know their safeties were kind of wide. Um, and watching it, three guys collapsed on him pretty quick. And, um, you know, I, I, he's taking it pretty hard. Uh, I pulled him uh, next to my locker and, and talked to him a little bit there um, at the end. And just um, I got a lot of faith and belief and trust in that guy. He's got a lot of heart. Um, he is not one that is lacking for heart and, and desire. And he's going to um, he'll eat this for a while. And, and he shouldn't because um, it's not on him. Both Ben and Fryermuth deserve better than to be attached to this loss and to a lot of these losses. This all emanated from one position. That all emanated from two guys who blew it last offseason. When we come back, just one question. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. back it's time for just one question and that's brought to you always on this program by the personal injury law firm of luxembourg garbin kelly and george they represent people who are hurt in car accidents who need help with workers comp or medical malpractice claims the attorneys at lgkg pride themselves in doing what they say they're going to do it's important to them that when they make you a promise they keep that promise and this law firm has been keeping promises in our region for over 80 years LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, and Elwood City. Learn more about them at lgkg.com. And today's J1Q comes from Frank, who asks, very simply, will Chase Claypool ever grow up? And Frank, my answer to that is I hate to put a ceiling or a really hard judgment on somebody who's younger except in this case okay this this kid has some 
significant issues. I don't know what they are. I don't really care what they are. It's not my business to know what's bouncing around inside the brain of someone who thinks after getting a first down on a critical last-minute drive where every second counts, that it's a good idea to get up and celebrate that first down to point, which Claypool, of course, did in the final seconds of that fourth quarter, in the process costing his team probably seven or eight seconds and at least one shot into the end zone. On top of that, it's Trey Turner being the adult in the room, running over toward him to get the ball. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. He takes it, knocks it away, gets it back to the line of scrimmage. Ben snaps the ball to stop the clock. And then Claypool gets mad at everybody on the offense for being mad at him. Wow. Wow. So Claypool comes into the post-game press area, escorted by a media relations official, and he's standing there at the podium, and I'll explain to you in a second why that's a surprise. And I asked him the very obvious question. Chase, why celebrate the first down there late? It obviously cost your team a few seconds. Yeah, um, you know... Definitely got to be better. Uh, I got tackled near the hash, did my little first down point, and uh, went to hand the ball to the ref. He, he had just got there. Right. Um, so even if I got right up and looked for him, he just wasn't there. So he, he ran down the field to come get the ball. And the ball got knocked out of my hands. That's what cost us time. Um, but I definitely do have to be better. Uh, I knew the situation. I knew, you know, I know I'm near the hash. I know the ball's placed on the hash. I got to be better, and uh, the ball should get knocked on my hands. Should be. There's so much of that answer that is so bad that I feel like I'd be insulting you by breaking it down. But really, what he does there is tries to blame Trey Turner for costing the team a few seconds. Uh, you don't need me to shoot that down, do you? No. What was way more interesting to me was that he was there at all. One thing that you're not going to know about, you couldn't know about, is that in the COVID era, teams across professional sports have basically handpicked who they'll have speaking after a game. And almost always, it's someone who has done well because they'll be in a better mood, even if the team has lost they're not going to be as likely to tell that media relations person to take a hike. So, for example, Akilla Witherspoon, who had a couple of interceptions, really nice football game, was one of the people brought in. And it kind of followed the pattern. And then Claypool came in. After Ben Roethlisberger. Ben usually goes last. Why was he there? Well, I'm not going to give up all my secrets, but let's just say that I found out through a wink and a nod 
that it wasn't his idea and that it just might have been the head coach's idea. So he has a chance to redeem himself at multiple points of this game for the bad penalty that killed the Steelers' first drive, for failing to block when he was the main blocker on a third-and-one run for Benny Snell, for that, for that thing, you know, that first down motion. Why? Why? And he can still, he can still save some face by coming into that room and just saying, you know what, I was just awful. I have no excuse. I have nothing. I, I'm just, this is not who I am. I can be. Didn't do any of that. Didn't do any of that. Didn't do any of that. And I certainly gave him a, an outlet there. If he wanted to say, hey, listen, I got no one to blame for that by my, but myself. I let my teammates down. I let my coaches down. I let the fans down. Didn't do any of that. Didn't do any of that. So you're asking me, Frank, if he's going to grow up. And I'll respond to you, Frank, that I need to see some precedent first. I haven't yet. Not since he's been here. I don't know what he adds to this football team, but I do know what he subtracts. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. And we'll have another one on Monday after I fly home from this place. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I mean that, not just to this show, uh, but to all of them. Uh, it's very much appreciated, and I'm grateful for the way this program has, has grown in downloads, listeners, and everything else here. Um, that's, that's, it's, it's, it's been a neat experience. Let's put it that way. Let's talk again Monday.